Thanks for joining us. I want to remind you that if there's anything that you need prayer for, don't hesitate to give us a call, send us an email, or submit a request online. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Our soul is made up of three different parts, being our mind, our will, and our emotions. We need to strengthen and feed our souls daily by getting into the Word of God. When we hear the truth of God's Word, it changes the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we make decisions. Let's see what Pastor Duane has to say in today's message, Soul Prosperity. I want to talk to you about soul prosperity. We can call this how to manage your soul. In 3 John verse 2, Paul, excuse me, Paul, John writes, and he said, Beloved, I pray, uh, the King James says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and that you would be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, when your soul is prospering, there's victory, there's peace, there's joy, there's contentment, your relationships are strong. It literally affects everything about your life. And we have to have healthy souls. Our souls need to be prospering. David was, was in a rough time, and, and he said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? And then he, he says, No, hope in God. What he's really saying is the reason for his soul trouble was a wrong focus. He was focusing on his problems instead of focusing on God. But really the truth is that the devil targets your soul. That's where he's going to target your life. He's going to bring problems. He's going to focus on your past, try to bring up your failures, bring guilt, rejection, hurt, what others say and do, the mountains, the giants that are in your life. But we need to have healthy souls, right? Uh, we need to have properly focused souls. We need to know how to care for our soul. We need to know how to feed our soul. Uh, Psalms 23, it says that he restores our soul. You know, as you go through the difficulties of life, your soul needs to be restored. How does that happen? You know, your soul needs to sow. You need, you need to have that healing and restoration. And we need to have grateful souls. And, and literally, you cannot have victory in your life beyond your soul. Your soul will either be an anchor that keeps you where you are, or it will catapult you forward. And the, the, the health of your soul is so important. In Proverbs 25, it says, Whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. What he's saying, he's saying the, the inside, what's going on on the inside, what's happening in your soul is, very, is more important than what's happening on the outside. Now, I, I was thinking about this a while back, and uh, when you go to seminary or you go to Bible college, the things that are focused on there are not the things inside, they're the things outside. Literally, they will teach you how to study the Bible. They'll teach you how to preach, how to interpret the Bible. Uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll teach you how to counsel. They'll give you some people skills. They'll teach you some leadership skills. But every single thing that you will learn when you go to seminary is exterior. It's how to focus out. But your health is not determined by what's going on on the outside. Your health is determined by what's going on on the inside. So the Bible says you will prosper even as your soul prospers. 
So we've got to be healthy on the inside, right? We've got to be equipped to survive life. Because how many of you know that stuff happens in life? And those are the things, what's going to get you through is not your skills, your exterior skills, but it's going to be your interior skills. It's going to be the skills that have to do with your soul. Psalms 23, let me just read it for you. It says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Now, as you go through life, the wear and tear that happens is what literally is happening in your soul. That's where it's happening. And we need him to restore our souls. He said, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. Listen, all the good stuff that comes out of you, it comes out of you because your cup, your soul overflows. Ministry is not about what you know. Ministry is about you're so full on the inside, your soul is so prospering, it's overflowing. Right? He said, my cup overflows. He said, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice he talks about surviving evil, fear, going through the valley of the shadow of death, being in the presence of your enemies, all the things that wear on your soul, right? But he restores our soul. And we need the strength that comes from having our soul healthy. And those are inner things. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, your soul basically consists of three things. It's your mind or your thoughts, right? It's your will. Your soul, your, your will is a part of your soul, so it's what you do. So it's your thinking, it's the things that you do, and it's your emotions. It's what you're feeling, right? And your soul has hinge points, right? So I want to talk to you about some of those hinge points, the things that you do that strengthen your soul, that cause your soul to prosper. Because when your soul prospers, your life is going to prosper. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and you would be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, this first thing, let me just say this, no one is responsible for the decisions and for how you care for your soul but you. So sometimes we want to put it off on somebody else. We, we, we want our spouse to be responsible for our soul. All right? We want our mother to be responsible for our soul. We, we think somebody else can do it. But the truth is, nobody is responsible for the health and for the decisions of your soul but you. And you can kind of tell what's going on in your soul by how you're talking to yourself. How many know you do talk to yourself? 
right? And some of you, you know, like, I'm an idiot, I'm a jerk, I'm a this, I'm a failure. What, what's going on? But where that is coming from, those thoughts are coming from, they're coming from your soul, right? And, and you, you, you need to have a, a healthy soul, right? Hope feeds your soul, right? But you're responsible for your soul. David said, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And then he begins to recount the things that God has done for him. But what he's doing, he's, he's changing what he's thinking about. He's running from his son Absalom, who's trying to kill him. And instead of focusing on the problem, he begins to focus on how God has delivered him through his life in all sorts of different situations. Nobody can take and be responsible for your soul because nobody else knows those inner thoughts that you're having. Nobody else can correct that conversation that's going on on the inside but you. In Psalms 103, David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So, so that David is really, he's having some inner conversation that's going on. And he's saying, soul, you need to be thankful. You need to begin to be thankful to God. You need to begin to bless the Lord. Sir John Templeton said this, if you've got a billion dollars and you're not grateful, you're a poor man. And you may have very little, but if you're grateful for what you have, you are truly rich. You know, one of the things that we need to make sure about our soul is that we have a grateful soul. Right? Now, it says it this way in uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 in verse 4. It says, Behold the proud. His heart is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. Behold the proud. His heart is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. Now, when we're, when literally to live by faith means to be dependent on God, to be leaning on God. And when we're proud, we're the exact opposite. When we're proud, we think it's us. We're looking to ourselves and we believe that we are responsible for getting us to the place where we are in life, right? But I want you to remember Deuteronomy 8 says, but you shall remember the Lord your God because it's he who gives you the power, the ability, the giftedness, the ingenuity, the connections, the favor to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto you as it is this day. In other words, it's saying you may think that you're hot stuff, Right? But the truth is, the reason that you are where you are is because God has gifted you, because God has blessed you, because God has given you an ability, and that's why you are the way you are. And when we think that it's us, they say, your soul is not healthy. Right? It is not upright within you. All right? But when you're leaning on God, I thank God, I do. I think God looks at us sometimes. How many ever seen a 16-year-old in a Porsche convertible, you know? And you see that kid, and he's got the music cranked up, you know, and he's driving down the, down the street. He's got his Boxer S, you know, convertible Porsche, and he's driving down the street there, and he thinks he is hot stuff. But let me tell you what you do not think. You think, oh, there goes an extremely responsible young person. <laughs> there goes somebody who has really worked hard and to achieve what, what, what he has, all right? You think, 
daddy gave you that car. You did nothing to get that car. All right? And I think God looks at heaven, from heaven at us. Hello? And he sees us, and we think we're hot stuff. All right? But he sees us like that kid in that Porsche. <laughs> that kid thinks he's got something going on, but he hasn't got anything going on. The only reason he's there is because somebody else put him there. Right? And the reason that we are where we are in life is not because of us. It's because God has blessed us. God's given us an, an ability. And he says, don't forget that. Right? Mark Battison, in one of his recent books, said, don't I don't believe our greatest shortcoming is feeling bad enough about the wrong that we've done. I think our greatest shortcoming is not feeling good or thankful about what God has done for us. I, I believe that that is right. In Romans chapter 1, it says, Although they knew God, they didn't glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, and became futile in their thoughts, in their souls, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, when, when we are not thankful to God, it affects our soul. We will become foolish in our thoughts. Our souls will miss the mark. Right? Timothy is uh, Paul's protege. And uh, Paul writes to him as Timothy is now pastoring a church. He's about 30 years old. And Paul leaves him in Ephesus. And he's pastoring the church in Ephesus, which at that time was the largest church in the world. Right? Most scholars believe approximately 100,000 members in the church. Right? And uh, Paul writes him and says, command those who are rich in this present age. Now, now why don't you think with me a minute. Uh, how many of you have seen some rich people who weren't very good at it? Now, now if, if, uh, if you could just, just talk to rich people, right? And, and let's suppose you, you have this, this great platform and they're going to listen to you, right? Now, if you could talk to rich people, what would you want to tell them? Think about it. I mean, see, we've seen some people who are good at it. I've seen some people who are bad at it, right? So, so what would you want to tell that rich person, right? Think about it. Now, here we want you, want you to turn to somebody, find somebody, all right? And I want you to tell them what you would tell those rich people. Tell them what you'd tell them. It can be a, you know, you should never, or you should always, or you need to remember Whatever it is, what would you want to tell them? What would you want to tell them? All right, think about it. Now, I know you may, this, you may not have something profound. You've got 30 seconds. You know, you're going to come back next week and say, well, yeah, I thought about it, and, you know, maybe we'll try this again. But, but, but Paul is going to tell Timothy, now, here's something you need, to, you need to say to these rich people. All right? He said, now, command those who are rich in this present age. He said, first of all, don't be haughty. Don't be proud. Don't think that it's you. Right? We just talked about that. You need to be not proud, but you need to be humble and thankful. And don't trust in uncertain riches. Don't trust in uncertain riches. And, and, and by the way, the, the more money you have, the more likely you are to trust in riches. Right? In fact, Jesus said, the number one thing that's going to compete for your soul is not the devil. Jesus said the number one thing that's going to compete with God for your soul is going to be money. 
He said, no one can serve God and money. Nobody can do it. And so he says, don't trust in uncertain riches or don't lean into riches. Don't re- lean into them. And, and, and it's hard to say, well, you know, you, 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 we think, here's the, here, here's the thing about being proud and trusting in riches. You, 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 can't, you can't see it in the mirror. It is really hard to see in the mirror. You can see it someplace else, but you can't see it in yourself. So, so let, me, let me just ask you two questions, right, real quick. Maybe this will, this will help us identify where we are, right? Don't trust in uncertainty. Don't lean into riches. Now, if, 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 to think about this. If you were to hear, all, my, all the money's gone, or there's no God, all your money's gone, or there's no God, which would cause more anxiety? You know, if you're, if, if you're trusting in riches and there's no God, you're like, no big deal. You know, all them churches are in trouble. All them pastors are out of a job. But, shoot, I'm good. I'm good. Which causes more anxiety? Right? Now, the next one, don't trust in uncertain riches. Right? But, but in God, who richly gives us all things to enjoy. So, if you've got it, if you've got the finances, is it hard to give? Because this is what you think. Well, I might need it. I might need it. What happens if things go sideways? What happens if the economy turns upside? What happens if I lose my job? What happens if this? Is it, how hard is it to give? When you, 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 when you actually have the pen in your hand, right? Because in our heart, we think, yeah, I'm going to be generous. But when the pen's in your hand, and the checkbook's in front of you, or you're in front of that computer, can you press, can you press the right button? Can you, can you actually write that check? Right? Because when we lean into riches instead of into the Lord, our soul is not healthy. It's not healthy. Jesus said it is the number one thing that will compete for your soul. People think, well, I thought it was going to be the devil. It's not the devil. It's money. And this is true all of your life. All of your life. Right? Now, here's another thing about your soul. All right? Your, soul, your, your soul is not just where you, you do your thinking. Your soul is where you make your decisions. Right? And, and what so often we think is we think, well, I'm just going to pray. And I'm just going to ask God to keep me away from trouble. Get me out of trouble. It's in James chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep one's self unspotted from the world. To keep one's self, right? To keep one's self unspotted by the world. It says that this, that, that Psalms 119, verse 25, this is what it says. It says, my soul clings to the dust. My soul clings to the dust. Now, here's what it means in very practical terms. That your soul is going to want to do some ungodly things. Your soul, if you do not properly care for your soul, your soul 
will want to go the way of the world. It will be influenced by the world, the flesh, and the devil. He said, my soul, it clings to the dust. And what we want is we just want to say, oh, God, get me out of this. God, do this. God, do that. But notice the Bible says you keep yourself. You keep yourself. And you do that by making the right decisions. In Psalms 101, it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the works of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. He's saying, I'm watching. I'm, I'm careful about what I'm looking at. Right? I'm, I'm careful about where I'm going on that computer. Right? Because it will cling to me. And literally, it will cling to your soul. And your soul will naturally have a tendency to cling to the dust, to cling to the wrong things, to cling to the earthly things. But we've got to have a healthy, strong soul. And it says here that you're the one who keeps yourself unspotted from the world. Now, what God doesn't want you to do is go cloister yourself away somewhere okay, and get away from the world because you're supposed to be a city set on a hill all right, that cannot be hid. Jesus says, so let your light shine before men. But in order to keep our soul healthy, what we need to be feeding our soul. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? Let me just say this. We need to feed our soul every single day. And what your soul needs daily is it needs God's word daily. But in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, don't forsake the assembling of the, of the, the, assembling of the brethren together. I mean, you, 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 need, you, you need church. And you don't need church every two or three weeks. You need it every single week. The Bible says this in Luke 4 about Jesus. He's in Nazareth, his hometown. And he says he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. Jesus was there every week. In, in Hebrews 10, it says we should be gathering so much the more as the day of the Lord draws near. As we know Jesus is coming back, we should be being, being more faithful, not less faithful in what we're doing. So your soul tends to cling or to go towards the, in the wrong direction, right? It says it this way in Romans 7, 23, it says the law of sin abides in your members, right? In other words, there's, there's, there is this inclination to go the wrong way. But if you want to have a healthy soul, you need to feed that soul and keep your soul healthy. And then don't, well, James 1, verse 21. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Which is able to save your soul your souls. Somebody said, well, I'm a Christian. I thought my soul was saved. I wish it was. I wish it was, but it's not, right? Your soul, remember, it's, those, it's your mind. It's your emotions, right? It's your will. It's your decision, all right? Now, the way that you get your saved, your soul saved, it says, is by receiving humbly the Word of God. That's how you save your soul, God's word will change the way you think. And when it changes the way you think, listen, it will change the way you feel. And when it changes the way you think and the way that you feel, it will change the decisions that you make. 
It is the word of God which is able to save your soul, to cause your soul to be healthy. 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's what causes us to grow. It's in, in Deuteronomy 17. It says that when a, a, a Jewish man became king, it said the first thing he was supposed to do is he, says, he shall write for himself a copy of the law in the book. Of the law, he's going to take the, the Bible that they had and he's going to copy it for himself. Right? And it says it shall be with him and he shall read from it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and to carefully observe all his words of the law and his statutes, that his heart is not lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left. Right? He says, if you want to stay humble, right, you want to stay thankful, you need to be constantly feeding on the word. It's in Deuteronomy 33. It says, yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand, and they sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your word. And we need to be receiving that word of God on the inside of us every single day. Now listen, don't give anything in exchange for your soul. Don't give anything in exchange for your soul. Jesus in Mark chapter 8 said, And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will he give in exchange for his soul? It's in Hebrews 12, it says, Least there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, or for one morsel of bread sold his birthright. He literally, he sold his soul. Now, the, the part that, that we read about in our Bible is he comes in and he's very hungry and his brother's cooking. And he says, you just, just feed me. And he says, well, only in exchange for the inheritance the right of the firstborn, and he exchanges it. Now, this is, this is tradition passed down by the, by the rabbis, but they said earlier he had committed adultery and had gotten caught, and he had committed murder as a result. The Bible calls him a fornicator and a profane person. You know, you can, you can give up your soul. He was giving it up for food, for illicit sex, for entertainment, for sports, for hobbies, for money, for leisure, boating, golfing, hunting, whatever it is. But, but you can put other things and consider them to be more important than your soul and neglect your soul. You can neglect your soul, right? And, but the truth is, there are things that you cannot neglect and stay, have a healthy soul. You, you cannot neglect prayer and have a healthy soul. You cannot neglect God's word and have a healthy soul. You cannot neglect church and have a healthy soul. Right? And what we need to do, we need to be bigger on the inside than what we are on the outside. And I want to just, just close here by mentioning one more thing about your soul. It says in Proverbs 12, verse 27, the lazy man doesn't roast what he takes hunting, but diligence is a man's precious 
possession. Diligence is a man's precious possession. And we can say it this way. Diligence is your soul's precious possession. And you say, what does that mean? Well, diligence, it's an issue of your soul. And, and we, we, we might say instead of diligence today, we might say being disciplined. All right? Because when you change, listen, when you change your life, you do it because you change what you do daily. You change, when you change your habits, you change your life. Because your future, it is hidden in the daily routine that you have. In fact, the truth is this, and I'm no prophet, right? But if I could follow you for two days and just watch whatever you do on those two days, I can predict your future. And I'd be accurate 99% just by watching because the secret to your future is hidden in your daily routine. See, that's why diligence, part of your soul, which you do constantly, consistently. You see, successful people who have prosperous souls, they don't do things that other people don't do. But they do daily what other people do once a month. Right? They're, they're, they're consistent. I want you to listen. I'm just going to give you one verse on this. Daniel chapter 6. Now, they have just made a law outlawing prayer to anyone except the king. And Daniel, who is a, a Jewish refugee who has been promoted tremendously in that political system, when he knew the writing was signed, he went home. He went in the upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, and he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since his early days. As was his custom since his early days. Daniel is one of the greatest people in the entire Bible, but I'm going to tell you right now what made him great. What made him great was that three times every day he stopped, he got down on his knees, and he prayed. It was a habit that made him great. You know, we look at David, King David, and we went, wow, great. But you know what David said? He said, I praise you seven times every day. He had a habit, and the habit made him great. You know, and if you will get the right habits, they'll make you great. They will cause your soul to prosper. And as your soul prospers, <laughs> as your soul prospers and in health, Every part, every, every part of your life will begin to prosper as your soul prospers. Right? Again, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and you'd be in health even as your soul prospers. And if you don't have the habit every day of reading your Bible, getting alone with God until something jumps out and comes alive on the inside of you, start the habit. If you don't have a habit of praying every day, start praying every single day. Get that habit. It's a habit that will cause your soul to prosper. You know, if you've been watching today and you've been assessing your spiritual condition, if you would say this, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not right with God. I don't know God. Or you say, I'm away from the Lord and I need to come home to God. I want to ask you to bow your head and pray a prayer with me and commit your life to Jesus. All right? Would you do that? Would you, would you make these words your own? Just say, oh God, 
I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. And I thank you for forgiving me, that my past is gone, that I'm your child, a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that from your heart, God heard that prayer. And you are forgiven and right with God on your way to heaven. And I want to help you as you keep on growing spiritually. And I wrote a book that will help you. It's just full of bullet points to keep you help growing spiritually. Uh, you can download the book absolutely free. All the information is right there on your screen. If you need a hard copy, let us know. We'll send it to you absolutely free of charge. We want to have a part in your continuing to grow as a Christian and serving God and being a blessing with your life. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life, and we are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Soul Prosperity, in the WBF store. You can also download the scriptures for this message under the On Demand page. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv. If God is using Walking by Faith to change your life, we'd love to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. Tune in next week when Pastor Dwayne will teach us about the importance of effective prayer. We'll see you then.